Hello. Hello, Christine. Welcome to the I'm Not Sure But It's Okay podcast. I'm thrilled to join you. I'm so excited to have you on as a fellow math lover, but a very um, compassionate individual who just pours so much into your community and your family and to just catch up on what you've been up to since our days at uh, Detroit Area Council for Teachers and Math. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been busy. You know, life kind of still happens. So, um, um, so I was teaching, I think the last time that we, we had some time together, I was, uh, teaching in a high school STEM program. Um, and I, I did retire from public school teaching for full time. I, I downshifted as I'd like to call it. Mm-hmm. So I, I started working with and touching the future in a different way with, mm-hmm. uh, at being an adjunct instructor, uh, for K eight, um, elementary teachers studying to become math teachers. And I've actually done and I'm doing some substitute teaching, which um, everybody, including me, I'm really surprised at how much I, I actually like it. Um, and I'm still working with the Michigan Council of Teachers of Mathematics. I actually revived their electronic newsletter and oh, great. Um, helped them to get a uh, teacher mini grant going, which you and I met through probably that's how we met through the Detroit Area Council of Teachers of Math is, is through that mini grant opportunity. Um, and so I've been keeping involved in that. And also now that I'm not quite full and a half time, as I used to call it, I I'm doing some personal things too, which is nice. Yes. So aside from our professional experiences, um, and of course you can continue expounding upon that, um, as we chat about living better, learning and unlearning, as well as leading boldly. I am really excited to hear how you have just been navigating um, over the past few years, but just uh, whatever you'd like to share with the listeners to encourage them to continue going because, you know, we're going to have challenges in our lives. And when we decide to just keep going, we will definitely get to the other side and be so much better. But along that journey, you know, I thought uh, with the creation of this 100 Stories podcast that it was so um, important and would be beneficial for listeners to just know that there's someone out there like you who have experienced a similar challenge may have um some highlights from their lessons learned um, or that they can just uh, gain strength from. So this is just a conversation as my dog decides she wants to come (laughs) in the background. I can't get around it because we're all at home. I'm not at the studio. I'm not at the the co-working space. So she's trying to get to my my grandson. Like, let me lick him. And it's like, no. Dogs are such a blessing. They live in the moment. We have a golden retriever. She's uh, almost 12. I can't believe that. Wow. Uh, And she definitely uh, brings joy and balance to life, which is a good lesson for sure. Yes, yes. So she is uh, very protective. She's doing her job. She's very attentive. And, uh, you know, since we're on dog, she's a mix of uh, Bull Mastiff and Shepherd. And it's actually my grandson's dog, who was two uh, 
too large for the apartment and she just hasn't transitioned over with the new baby (laughs) (laughs) now that they're in their home but you know just like with the dogs um if we would be more aware and attentive and shift gears as uh, life happens as opposed to uh, thinking too far along um ahead or reflecting, constantly remaining stuck and um, <laughs> churning with what we could have done better, we would be okay too. So I'm learning from Penelope <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I have to remind myself often, hey, she hears something, she's doing her job. Let her take care of us. Yes, so. that's good. That's very good. <laughs> What's your dog's name? <clears throat> her name is Sophie. We're her second family. Okay, um, her good. first family was very good for to her, but they just realized they didn't have quite the time and energy. So when she was eight months old, um, in fact, it was this past week was her gotcha day, I guess they call it. Wow. And okay. uh, she came into our lives and we had just lost our other um, shadow who was a mix. Good, great dog. But we had just lost her about a month before and we weren't sure that our hearts were ready yet. Mm-hmm. For a new member of the family, but she kind of chose us. I think she, she, uh, um, oh. and we've been all the better for it. She, Very believe good. it or not, she has her own Instagram account, and that is <laughs> only because of my students because they were like, I would, I was fortunate. I had a, a principal who would let me to bring her in occasionally, so she was an unofficial therapy dog around midterms and finals and things like that, and, um. And they would take pictures of her and they would just pose with her. I'm like, goodness gracious, guys, I'm going to have to get her her own Instagram account so I can see this. And they were like, oh, Mrs. Dewey, you have to, you have to. So um, I'm her social yeah. media manager. Okay. And, uh, and of course, it's math related. Her, 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 she's at Sophie Dewey 314. There's pie in there. <laughs> um, of course. And, and most of her 200 and some followers are former students. <laughs> Um, but it's a lot of fun. It's just a lot of fun. I'm going to have to check that out. Of course, it's math related. Do we <laughs> not do anything outside of math, whether we're in the classroom or just, you know, just in life, you and I, um, connect in that way. I, math is um, everywhere. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Listeners, don't, don't you dare log out. <laughs> Today, mainly, we're going to be talking about growing, always learning, and and doing better. So I am going to uh, yield the microphone to Christine Kincaid-Dewey as she share a bit of her journey. And I hope you talk about your NASA experience a little Ah, bit, too. That's right. Can you please weave that in? Oh, for sure. Actually... I attended space camp for educators and was blown away. And that was my second year of teaching in 96. I was with Minneapolis Public Schools. The wealth of resources and access and the way that they help us see the world differently. Oh, my goodness. But you had a very unique experience that we only talked about briefly. So, you know, at some point, if you can share a little bit, it would be nice to capture it here. Oh, for sure. Um, We participated uh, the program that I was teaching in um, with, with a program that would send a, a student's experiment to the space station. Uh, well, actually, microgravity, to be, to be done in microgravity. We did another program where it actually got sent to the, the space station. So we involved um, all, all of the kids in the grades, and they designed different experiments. And then one was chosen, 
and we made prototypes. And then, um, of course, for liability reasons, students weren't allowed to to actually go on the microgravity plane, mm-hmm. um, micro G, um, sometimes called the vomit comet, but they didn't like that. Um, <laughs> so a, a, a team of teachers went down to Houston for a week, uh, which was phenomenal. <laughs> they missed us, though. Oh, my gosh. By the fifth day, they were like, you're coming back soon now, aren't you? Um, <laughs> and got, actually got to fly the students um, experiment on the uh, microgravity plane. So it does parabolas. I think we did mm-hmm. 29 parabolas. So when you're at the top of the parabola, then you're in microgravity because there really isn't anything. It's like zero gravity. Mm-hmm. And then um, then you go down to like twice Earth gravity. Um, and it was just I had some memories come up in social media because it was about, I think it was nine years ago now. Um, it's mm-hmm. one of the most phenomenal things that I ever did in my, in my teaching career. The kids were jealous. They're like, why can't we go up? Um, but um, plus to see how, just to see how what we're teaching students, where they can go with mm-hmm. it. And that the scientific yes. process, because the STEM program I was in, students did research every year. And it wasn't just, it wasn't baby research. It was research. Yes, we had limited materials and equipment, but they were doing what real scientists do in the real world. And to be part of that was just amazing. Besides, you know, how many people can be in microgravity? I mean, that's just, it's it's a unique feeling. It truly is a unique sensation um, that's really hard to describe. Blessed. Yes, yeah. Very blessed for that. Well, you went to Houston, I went to Huntsville, and um that machine that you're talking about, yeah. Um yeah, I, I waited until time to go to the airport to get <laughs> to get into that little circle because I have this no. And I had to sit for a while as everybody else <laughs> completed their tour. But I'm so glad I had that experience. So good, good, good. And then you mentioned the real life uh, learning experiences. That's the shift that I'm, I'm hoping um, <laughs> 2020 and 2021 will bring to education, you know, just learning in general, whether at the collegiate level or pre-K-12 level, because <sighs> I was project queen in my every, every institution I worked mm-hmm. in. <laughs> Even at Baker College, it's like, no, we need real life projects. Um, And you and I really connected in that. I I don't think I could uh, sit through our meetings without having a list of questions about what you were doing in your classroom. But yeah, so thank you uh, for planting those seeds because those learners will pass it on to their children and their workplaces and um, even your colleagues. You, you, you've just been a quiet force, always taking on something. I heard you mention earlier, yeah, I'm running the social media account for the state council teachers. <laughs> you always, always just jumped in to lend a hand. And I'm happy to know that even though you spent so many years in education and uh, formal education and now are semi-retired that uh, you are making waves and ba- uh, blazing trails and in other areas but um, giving yourself time to step back and um, decide how to influence communities um, at this season 
in our lives. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I, I was very um, surprised and pleased that you asked me because I don't know that I have anything special to contribute. But, but the idea of, you know, it's okay. You don't have to know everything. Um, and you just keep going, I, I think is not important to hear other people who do the same thing. And I, I even, you know, when you think about scientific research, they, they have something that they test. And then if it doesn't work, they try something different. And if that works, then they refine it and test again. And I think that's a lot about how we live life is, you know, we, we have a direction we're going in and we make course corrections based on the experiences that we have. Um, but we continue moving forward. I've, you know, I've tried to be a model to students that you should be constantly learning because to me, if you're not learning, you're stagnating. And if you're stagnating, you're really not living. Um, and so I've tried to push myself to put myself where my students have been, because sometimes I think as teachers or even just as adults, you just get comfortable and then you don't want to, you know, venture outside those, those comfort zones because you know what it's like, what life is like inside of it. And you don't, that idea of being vulnerable, it, young people do it all the time because their life experiences are small. But I think sometimes as we get older and even as we age, we don't want to be vulnerable because we view that as a weakness. And so to show that vulnerability and the the willingness to put yourself in those situations is not a weakness but a strength i think is a good lesson for young people and for all of us absolutely and um those life pivots um i believe the statuses that we acquire (laughs) and we lean into um often put us in positions that are somewhat debilitating because if you've done this thing for so many years, if you do something else career-wise or just what you're known for in the community or family, it's met with shock and sometimes with resistance. And um, other times I've known that um, people will look down on you like, well, you had this position, you did this thing, why would you change or what happened? It must be something wrong with you. And I would say to anyone that have experienced that or you're considering um, experiencing that, that is uh, the ego Mm. and the expectations of the person speaking that (laughs) to you, communicating that to you. You pivot and shift and do what you need to do to take care of you and to serve in a way that you desire to serve in whatever season in life you're in, whether you're young, just starting out, you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, it doesn't matter. You tell your story, you live your life in your way. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And I do think that a lot of young people, when I say young people, because in their 20s and even early 30s, um, they are they now live in an area they don't expect to stay in one career or one job. Mm-hmm. They will job hop after a couple of years for better pay or better opportunities or just because something interests them. Um, those that are able to do it that have that skill set that's wanted. Um, whereas in my generation, you know, if you had one job the, your entire career, that would have been a good thing. Um, so I think that 
that that message is already there a lot with with younger kids, younger people. They're not kids; they're younger adults. Um, and and just the idea that what is it you're probably going to have seven different careers in your lifetime if you're starting about now, and that mm-hmm. having that students to think with that kind of flexibility, I think is important. One of the big things I did to challenge myself because I felt I was getting a uh, fortuitous and I don't think I think it's a God moment not not just chance but I got an mm-hmm. email a couple three four years ago um, that was forwarded from somebody else about a teaching opportunity in um, China uh, a group of at the time it was 50 American educators were going to uh, the University of Science Technology Beijing for three weeks or so to work with 19 um, year olds so they just finished their freshman year in college um, to work on spoken and list and auditory English language. And to do that, not through teaching math, but through teaching um, uh, language and culture. So comparing um, American and Chinese culture, and then it was all done in English. So it was like an immersion because their skills in reading and writing are just phenomenal and reading and writing in English are just phenomenal, but they really don't have that experience with uh, listening and speaking. And so to go, what, how many thousand miles away? <laughs> um, and I actually did it for three summers. Um, wow. I didn't go last summer because everything got canceled. Um, but I had done it for three summers prior to that. And it reminds me because I'm having a cup of tea of of uh, some um, tea that I, special tea that I had bought when I was there. But that I didn't know a soul. <laughs> and uh, it was very far away for a rather long time and a language that I don't speak. But part of my impetus to go was to stretch myself. So, Mm -hmm. because I asked students to do that and it has, it's been, it was a wonderful experience. It really was. So. Wow. Now that's stretching. Well, the first year wasn't the greatest because I had camp, I had taken a group of students on a science and technology trip to California and 12 Mm -hmm. hours after I got back, I was on the plane to Beijing. And so somewhere in California, I picked up like a cold upper upper Mm -hmm. respiratory. And then of course, when you're on a plane for 12 hours, um, it doesn't help anything. So by the time I got there that first year, within that first week, I was not feeling good. And I had to actually go and get some help um, from from medical professionals. And so it wasn't the best first year, but gosh darn, I was going to make the best of it. And then I thought, oh, one and done, never going back. That was, you know, forget it. And then I started Mm -hmm. missing the students, the students that I met there, the young people. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It was just amazing. So I went back a second year and then I went back a third year. So um, were you with the same group of students or was was it a different group group each year? Um, Wow. And it was so nice to to see what and it's a kind of like Wayne State University in Detroit. It's a middle-class urban um, environment. It's not the the top tier universities. It's not the bottom tier university. It's a, it's a good university. It is, you know, competitive to get in, but it was, it was there long enough to get a real experience and not like a tourist experience or a here, let us just show you the best of everything. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and 19 year olds are just, very honest you know um and what 
their their culture and society is like and what their impressions about what ours is like and to be able to debunk some of that. Um, I had one girl tell me I thought everybody in the United States carried a gun and I would never want to go there. Um, but now I see that that's not the case and there's really nice people. And um, so that was kind of neat. That was just kind of neat. You know, that reminds me of my experience in um, South Africa when I launched the um, Global Math Initiative in South Africa. And, you know, I had some perceptions, too, even with my host family. I'm like, okay, I know they don't live in huts because I met him at a higher education teaching and learning conference. I know that, you know, he's really active in um, the faith-based community, one of his, le- he's a leader, he and his wife. I know all this stuff. I knew what the university was like. I didn't really know what the high school we were gonna work with like, but even from landing and needing to drive three and a half hours to his home and then 45 more minutes to the university and then another 45 minutes past the university, we're going up north now. The school we worked at was um, 30 minute drive from the Zimbabwe border. But if you're up on the hill where the school sits, it's a, a high school, it, you can like point and it's almost like you're touching it. You can throw a rock wow. off. So anyway, I, I, <laughs> I looked at some of my assumptions as well as theirs too. They probably, well, no, they didn't know a lot, but I thought that when I saw those commercials, you know, uh, uh, donate to give kids shoes. Um, and then there's some others. I'm like, listen, it's red dust. These babies take their shoes off so that they aren't dirtying them up. And I did not realize that. And I know that, that you know, the portion of uh, South Africa I visited and worked in was more a cosmopolitan area. It wasn't, you know, some of the needier uh-huh. areas. However, I made an assumption. Let me tell you, the school his children went to or currently attend, it's a it's like a private school, but it's public. And they get out of the car and take their shoes off and play and ride bikes and have this community time and um, outdoors have their um, assembly, uh-huh. what we would consider assembly, morning assembly and prayer before they go uh-huh. in. And I just assumed folks didn't have on shoes because they were like, no, the red dirty messes up our shoes. We like to look fly too. I was like, okay. (laughs) So, so many assumptions, but a portion of that program was to um, create kind of not really a pen pal system, but to demystify learning um, in similar uh, learning environments um, and learn about each other's culture and community and just serve as a support, have these high school and middle school students serving as a support. But yeah, we we make so many assumptions. And it was like, I don't know if you've ever seen a mo- movie coming to America. Mm-hmm. When I arrived and even uh, the university faculty, it was like coming to America. I was like, the queen has arrived. <laughs> um, but they really value education differently. Um, and they just want to soak in everything. And I, I had no idea 
um, it was different for me. And then to see that children that live on the other side of the mountains, they will walk or catch a ride hour and a half to two and a half hours every day. That's how much they want to learn. Yeah, that is it. That was also a, education is very valued in, in China as well. And educators. So that's as an American mm-hmm. teacher, I am even though the parents I've worked with has always been real nice, but the, the overall mm-hmm. attitude toward educators in this country is not the greatest. Let's just be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. It's something we're supposed to do. You're supposed to do this and you get paid to do that. It isn't collaborative, collective in most instances. I'm not going to say all, but that's what you get paid to do. Yeah. <laughs> and to there have it be, ah, oh, and you've taught calculus. Oh my gosh. I mean, I never got a, I never mm-hmm. got an ooh and an off when I tell people I have a math teacher as I did there. It was really funny. Um, yeah. It's like yeah. I wanted to, to record it. <laughs> yeah, I did record it. So, you know, I had people send me clips. <laughs> I was like, ooh, like all this love. My parents were like, are you coming back? My kids too. They were like, are you going to move there? I know you're in transition right now. You sure you're not going to stay? <laughs> yeah. But I do think travel so I love- is, I mean, I think it also puts you in a place where you're uncomfortable and that, so you know what it's like um, to either not understand a language or not be able to read something or just, just not be comfortable where you are. And I think, I think some of the times the issues we have in this country is that people have forgotten what it's like to be new somewhere. Um, yes. Even in a workplace, like, okay, they may have some skills, but this is a new environment. <laughs> Give people grace, be patient, share. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like when I, I'm in a new district cause we did move um, to do some subbing and to, to go into the staff lunchroom for the first time and you don't know a soul. And um, you know, you think it, the age I'm at, that wouldn't be a big deal. Not that it was huge, but it, it's still putting yourself out there and saying hello and just listening. And, you know, it's, uh, we, it's, it's good not to get too comfortable, I think. Mm-hmm. And I have reinvented myself, quote unquote, a couple of times. And this is, this is a time of transition of a different kind of reinvention. Um, and, uh, I find that during those times, although they're uncomfortable at times, sometimes painful and sometimes I make uh, some mistakes, but that when I look back on them, they were definitely periods of growth. And you know what? You spoke um, to our emphasis on learning and unlearning Um from your intro up until this point, it is so, so important that we give ourselves space to grow and to learn something differently. And I'm sure you could have gone into that um, experience and soul, uh, especially after the first year and taught math, <laughs> but you're like, no, nope, I'm going to keep on uh, this path and it's going to be good for me and to stretch me and just, I think it just broadens our opportunities um, when we do something slightly different. Um, so that's pretty cool. Have you had to unlearn anything um, personally, professionally um, in the past few years? Oh, well, with the pandemic, um, 
I, I'm not sure if it's so much unlearn as learn new ways to do things. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, even just with kind of downshifting from what I jokingly call full and a half time, because I never, I always seem to work like mega hours. Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, is, um, you know, how, how do you not, how do you put some boundaries on your time? Um, Cause I did, I wouldn't for work. I would, I would, you know, the job is never done. Um, and there are other jobs that are like that, but how do you then put boundaries? So that makes it fair to the rest of your life and your family. Uh, I'd have people say, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Why are you doing this? You're too young to do this. You're t-. I said, I don't know how to do it. I said, I can, can do it at the same energy and intensity, but then I have, I've had less and less, less and less left for the rest of my life. And that's just not fair mm-hmm. to them. Um, mm-hmm, and so, mm-hmm. although I don't know how to do it less, so I think I need to pivot and do something different. Um, but, you know, they, uh, talk about learning less. My, my dad had a wonderful man and I miss him still to this day, owned a small restaurant and small restaurant work is also all consuming. And he would say, work as mm-hmm. if you're working for yourself. Um, which kind of mimics, you know, work as if you're working for the Lord and not for yourself. But so that effort mm-hmm. of that work ethic of put everything out on the table. My husband says, you leave it all on the table. You do not hold anything back. Um, but mm-hmm. how can we, how can I mitigate that a little bit? And because I also think mm-hmm. it's important to be well-rounded. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. still learning that. <laughs> I'm still learning. Um, so as far as unlearn. Um, I guess that, how do I, how do I do that? I still don't know the answer, but it's okay. It's all right. If I don't. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm not sure if it is okay. I tell you my calendar on my phone is filled with uh, my devotionals to remind myself to um, remain grounded. Um, oftentimes during my reading, I will find, and just general reading as well, quotes and mantras based on what I'm experiencing or what my goals are in the near future. And I have to remind myself either daily, weekly, et cetera. And then my to-do list, which, you know, I was sticky <laughs> note clean, <laughs> like, but they fall off and check boxes, but to give myself grace, like, okay, these are things that I need to do that are really, really important. And I, I, I look at that list and I make sure that I personally take care of something in the house that helps my family, something personal for me, and then everything else. Um, and it, 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 it's, Uh, sometimes challenging to decide because, you know, I don't always stretch. I stretch in the bed. I have this yoga mat. (laughs) I don't do all that. (laughs) I have that (laughs) in my calendar. So I missed the mark, but at least I'm making time for it. And I can't remember where I saw that, where it's like, yes, we work eight to whatever. And um, we know that we need to accomplish as much as possible within that time, you know, with taking breaks, serving, meetings, etc. But what about our travel time? How can we take care of ourselves during our travel time? How can we take care of ourselves, our families? How can we, you know, how are we managing it? So since we placed certain items on our calendar, why not put those items that are important to us in the calendar 
even if it's just 30 minutes, well, what else can you accomplish during that bath time or that shower time that feeds mm-hmm. your soul? So consider that too, because every 15 minutes, I'm on this 15 minute rotation. I don't know why, but if I can get 15 minutes of something good in that feeds my soul or I'm working on something that you know, I've been procrastinating about if I can do 15 minutes of it, it yeah, really I does sometimes help. will have a 10 so minute timer. It's like you can really do anything for 10 minutes. So, you know, it started with picking yes. up a house. It's so- like, oh, all right, turn the timer on for 10 minutes. And then half the time you're at the end of that, you're like, oh, wait, I want to do a little bit more. Or I've told that to students. Exactly. Have a hard time starting <laughs> something. Literally set a timer for 10 minutes. Don't let yourself do anything else and get 10 minutes worth done. And then when that's finished, you want to do more, fine. You want to pivot to something else, fine. But my non-negotiable is at the beginning of the day always starts with some some time with God through devotions and prayers and then yes. some time on the yoga mat. Because um, um, if I, and I've done that for quite a few years. I'm not perfect, of course, but, um, mm-hmm, but physically mm-hmm. I need to do that. Uh, there's been lots mm-hmm. of history of back issues in my family and I think some of the reason I'm still doing pretty good is that 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 has been, I found that when I was doing a teacher stress um, class. Um, And so like Mm -hmm. 21 years for just about even whether I'm in China or I'm in the camper or I'm at home or wherever I start it 10 minutes minimum. There's a ton of YouTube videos for 10 minute morning yogas that you can do. Yes. Now, what's interesting is I'm looking at my pretty um, teal-colored yoga mat now, as we speak. <laughs> I only truly use it like my grandchildren. They love yoga. I mean, they're closer <laughs> to the ground, too. Uh, <laughs> and they have these cards I purchased for them. And, you know, that was going to incentivize mm-hmm. me. And then we watched these cool story-telling uh, yoga um, videos. But I only really do it, you talk about stretching, I went to hot yoga Ah. at 6 a.m. I will get up and go. But since the pandemic started, I I stopped. But I got in maybe eight or nine sessions. I couldn't believe it. I started going twice a week. Yeah, it's That was a stretch for me. Yeah, because I was so concerned about the, um, you know, it being too hot and, you know, I have this claustrophobic feeling like but it was so good especially if you arrive early but I won't (laughs) since we're talking I'm gonna put it back in my calendar and do it again you were my gentleman but there are a ton of even if you just search (laughs) on YouTube 10 minute morning yoga um and yeah you know I would get up early enough to and I still still if I don't do it one day I notice it if I don't do it two days then then I'm like, nope, this something's wrong. And it's not just in my body, but it's in my, my heart and my soul too. It's just something that helps to, mm-hmm. to ground me and center me. Um, that's good. So that's a part of your yes. living better. So you've been doing it. You say, so you've been practicing yoga. Um, uh, how many since years 1999 is when I discovered that. Wow. Uh, before wow. that I'd done a little Tai Chi because I'd always wanted to take some Tai Chi classes but um, my teacher kind of petered out on that one. And then that, that was to me harder just to do on my own and from like videos. But then when I found the yoga, it was, okay. it was pretty cool. And I really haven't done uh, 
like classes, like go to classes, or they've done that occasionally. It's just either been DVDs mm-hmm. or now some of the streaming stuff. Um, Very good. So any other um, practices for living better now that you and your husband have transitioned away from um, Metro um, Detroit area? Well, I've done more cooking. I've been a little more adventurous on that one because I haven't been like thoroughly exhausted at the end of every day. Um, mm-hmm. and so that, that's been kind of fun. Uh, and I've, I've been more consistent in just walking outside to get some activity. Plus, it's kind of beautiful here. Um, and we're near more my mm-hmm. husband's family is. So that's kind of, that, that was always the plan. Um, oh, and we're nice. still both kind Very of finding nice. our way. It's, it's not, you know, the same place where he grew up, which is every mm-hmm. place changes and we're finding our niche. It, it'll be better when we can interact more with people because you have to build your social mm-hmm. circle. Um, and so we have a limited yeah. bubble with, with immediate, a couple of immediate family members. But other than that, it's um, not so much, but, uh, but we're working on house projects and, you know, I think it's, uh, I had a friend who um, re- also retired from public school and she said, uh, there's a difference between goals and tasks. And I have mm-hmm. tasks that I need to do each day, but I also try to work on something on one of my goals every day. Because that gives mm, me more purpose. Very good. And I've tucked that in the back of my head. And I've also tucked, um, uh, there's a, a man I know who's a tuba player. We went to his 90th birthday party mm-hmm. with 350 other people about three years ago. And he's still going strong. Even after two broken hips, he's still doing okay. And when he found out that I was making this life change, he goes, what are you retiring to? Too many people retire mm. from something and they don't Mm -hmm. think about what they're retiring to um so i tucked that away and i kind of said this is what our plans and yes i still want to be involved in math education and but yes i still want i want to cultivate some other parts of my life um children were not part of my husband and i found each other a little later in life and and, and children just weren't part of our mm-hmm. picture, but I've had a couple thousand, if I count mm-hmm. students on a part-time basis. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I've kept that. So I, I think that's good advice as well. Think about what are you going to, not what you're coming from. Um, Cause that'll only take you so yes. far. And we're, you know, that's very good advice because we're always in transition, whether we admit it or not, you know, whether we're transitioning um, relationally or unpacking something, an experience, or uh, planning for our next trip, our next adventure, our next um, home um, renovation. We're always in transition. And I like how you mentioned two. You know, so we can keep our eyes on the yeah. prize, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So um, we talked about a little bit about your career in, in leading, um, and you're still a very strong advocate locally and now internationally um, for mathematics and teaching and learning. 
Um, how? What's another area that you're you're leading boldly Ooh. in? Good question. I don't know if it's leading boldly, but in in trying to put together um, the newsletter for uh, the Michigan Council of Teachers of Mathematics, I'm, I'm trying to find and cultivate resources for the wide range of people who who get, you know, who are members and part of that. It's, I called it my math community, MI for Michigan, um, to mm-hmm. cultivate that sense of community, because I think especially with the pandemic and COVID-19 restrictions that people are really in a sense feeling more isolated as teachers. Um, when I mm-hmm. have a long-term sub-assignment that I'm doing in my former district because there's an issue there and I want to help out mm-hmm. a little bit. Part of that was um, let's see what all this is that they're dealing with it is so that I could experience it more because I was doing it at the college level, but that's entirely different than from a K-12. Um, and it's more than mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. managing the technology. I, I feel for these people who mm-hmm. maybe even didn't have a website, much less use, um, you know, Schoology or Desmos or, you know, any of these other interactive type things to suddenly be like thrown off the end of the dock and said, swim. Um, so I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I'm boldly leading, but I am trying to learn from what they have there. Um, and what their experience and honor that experience without and support. I think as educators and as part, part of the reason why I got involved in professional organizations is we need to support each other because um, we are a community and we can learn. I, I will, I learn so much from other people by watching and listening and talking to them. Um, and you are not always put in that opportunity you know, they're in those situations. So anything that I can do to help people network with each other and learn from each other and be realistic is, um, I don't, I don't think that's leading, but I'm, 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 I'm supporting, I'm trying to support. I I think you are leading by example. And, and um, you, you, you questioned your invitation earlier. It's because of your leading by example, um, both in the Treasury Council for Teachers of Math, I mean, you would step up when others were pondering uh, whether or not they could fulfill the role, what to do next. You, you were always there. I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, I used to say prayers for you. <laughs> like, I hope he doesn't you. burn out. <laughs> I mean, you made it happen, but you pulled us together. You made me want to do more, and um, that's why I took on a little bit more until. You know, I had to transition out. Um, And then just in your community, period, just being involved, being present and doing what you do, you are shining a light on possibly a different way, you know, because we, we, we are familiar with the fact that different communities have different cultures and bringing your lived experiences, your professional experiences um, into the spaces that you occupy and doing something or even just listening um, and being a resource is, I believe, a way of leading boldly. I'm not, I mean, I would speak up at meetings and make things happen, but 
I really am an introvert and I would prefer to not be center of attention. So I, I get it. In in our presence, it's just as value as those, you know, mm-hmm. Pied Pipers, so to speak. <laughs> We're Pied Pipers in a different way or Mary Poppins or whatever else you want to call us. But um, it is it's very valuable. And as you listen and you get feedback, and I'm sure you've gotten it from your communities up to this point um, where you serve professionally, your presence is a blessing. Your presence is an example of a different way to be. Well, thank you. (laughs) If you weren't sure, that's how you leave boldly. (laughs) Well, I always try to, and some people thought this is strange, but you know, the idea of personal and professional development has just, it's kind of like hardwired into me. Like I always try to do my best and yet I mm-hmm. and I know I can always be better. So it's that idea of continuous growth in so many areas. Um, and yes, yes, definitely. Um, so many areas and there's been a lot of um, well, well-deserved uh, light being shined on um, students of, color and students that aren't part of the quote-unquote majority which depends on where you are where what the majority is um and so much learning that Mm -hmm, can be mm -hmm. done around that um I think when you have an attitude of there's always more for me to learn then you're open to Mm -hmm. uh, things that you know suddenly things are peeled back from your eyes and you look at it in a different way and you're like wow I never knew I never knew what I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Exactly. So knowing what you do know now, as we wrap up, um, what are some resources that maybe you can share personally or professionally to help listeners, whether they're a parent, um, they're in an education setting or in a workplace setting to help them or encourage them to open their eyes about those who are different than them and to continue growing um, personally and professionally? Well, I think one of the things is if you get yourself involved in a book club that then chooses books that you wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily choose on your own, but that would that make you think, uh, and it depends on, you know, I only say that because I am involved in one um, that we're doing some mm-hmm. different books based on what's been going on in the last year. And um, th- that, mm-hmm. then you can have an t- opportunity to discuss um, what's going on. Um, Ma- the Michigan Council of Teachers of Mat- Mathematics has been doing an empowered math ed series since September. So it's mm. a, a once a month. Um, and I, I wish I knew the name of the pro- the professor who spoke just this week about um uh so uh racial equity um and there's lots of whether you're following on twitter or whether you do facebook or whether you just listen to podcasts i think seeking out those things Mm -hmm. to help you um and how do you help kids and also if you're in Mm -hmm. an area that is tends to be more homogeneous you know how do you draw that out for other children um I, th- I think those are important mm-hmm. things and I don't know if I have all the answers, but I think it's just, it's continue to seek. 
as you can. You mm-hmm. don't want to, you mm-hmm. can't do everything. Perfect is the enemy of the good. Um, but yes, yes. To cry, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good, 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 good. Do you have a favorite quote uh, that is, uh, or a quote right now that's guiding you as you uh, move forward that may be encouraging um, for our listeners? Well, I have, my sister asked me what my favorite uh, Bible verse was and had it put on a uh, board so that I could put on the wall. And, and that mm-hmm. is, I can do all things mm-hmm. through Christ who strengthens me. And that's Philippians 4.13. Um, that's, so that's yes. one of, of the things that I look to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as far as giving myself some space, um, perfect is the enemy of the good. So I don't have to do everything perfectly. Not that I'm, well, okay, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. But, uh, like, you know, there's a big, there's a lot of space between perfection and giving up and live there, you know, make incremental process. Incremental progress is better than leaps and bounds. Um, so I guess it's not one quote. <laughs> That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Well, um, any well, I just words? thank you for the opportunity to talk with you. I think that's thrilling and that this project you're doing for others, um, is so you because <laughs> you do give so much to others. And um, I've benefited from just thinking about this, uh, about our conversation and listening to a couple of the other ones that you already have podcast episodes posted. So um, I thank you for giving me this opportunity, but for actually putting this together for, for others. It's great. It really is. Thank you so much, Christine. I look forward to catching up in yes. person, coming up <laughs> toward Traverse City soon. That, that's on my list before 2021 is out, even if I just oh, come, come and on. sit by the water. We're not on the water, but you can <laughs> yeah, come and yeah, so, It's in the distance. <laughs> that's okay. That, that's okay. I just like to do uh, those drives up north. So planning drives up north. Um, I'll be following your work more closely. Um, and I, I'm just so honored that you would share with us because you are not a big, big talker <laughs> either. So I already knew <laughs> you're more of a doer. <laughs> so I'm honored that you would share um, a bit of your personal experience Um in terms of living better, learning and unlearning or uh, um, navigating differently, and then um, doing you, mm-hmm. quietly leading boldly. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, tell your husband I said hello, and I look forward to uh, hearing about your projects and seeing you all 2021, yeah. uh, probably closer to the end because I'm still in the house. <laughs> Um, or uh, best to you and your family. God God bless. All right. Bye-bye.